Good morning. My name is Dana. I'm one of the pastors here. And um, I have, I've moved around a lot. And some of you who have moved from, you know, you've made a big move from one place to, the, to another will know the joy it is when friends from one part of your life get to meet friends from the new part of your life. Um, and so uh, I had the privilege of having Ruth Lewis visiting me this weekend. Um, I've known Ruth for a- about 12 years, and uh, she is the executive director of Pioneer Camp Alberta. And that's a camp that InterVarsity runs. So both Tom and I worked with InterVarsity before we were here, and um, Ruth has worked with InterVarsity since August 1st, 1980 which is very specific for me to know, but it was the day after I was born, so that was a really good time for us. (laughs) And um, Ruth was here yesterday to teach at the Timothy Project. Some of you will know that the Timothy Project is a discipleship initiative that's going on this year at Erickson Covenant Church, and 20 members of the congregation are part of it. And so she came to do some work with us about personality and self-awareness, and differences, and that was, it was really delightful. And I've known Ruth to be a person who is, she is loyal and faithful, and she's committed her life to developing young people and helping them find and follow Jesus. Um, And she was telling me this weekend that one of the best lessons that she learned in her life was how to celebrate really well. And I, you know, I don't think I'm, I don't know. I like a lot of things, but I'm not very good at things like vacation and celebration. People ask me, how, how was your trip, your vacation? I'm like, I, I don't know. Fine, I guess. I, whatever. Anyway, Ruth is the master of that. So she plans parties like no one else, plans vacations and holidays. Uh, so I was learning some of that from her. And it's been my real delight to be her friend over the years and see the fruitfulness of her ministry in her life. So Ruth, if you want to come up, I'll pray for you. Uh, and then you guys get to hear her teach this morning. Uh, Father, I'm so grateful for Ruth and her life of service to you and the number of young people uh, who have come into their own who are following Jesus because of her work. Um, We pray your blessing over the camp where she works and the programs that she's running there, and we pray that your spirit would come and rest on her this morning so that the words that she speaks are the words that you have for this congregation. Would you open our hearts and our minds to it? We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. I was here about a year ago at Dana's installation, inauguration, induction, one of those, one of those things. So I may look uh, familiar to some of you. One of the hardest times for me was when I was graduating from high school, I had a hard time figuring out what I wanted to do. And I don't know if you know people that are kind of in that situation. One of the things that we do at Alberta Pioneer Camp is, so Alberta Pioneer is, and there should be a picture up soon, uh, it is a horse camp in the Rockies, in the foothills of the Rockies in Alberta. We have uh, 2,000 acres and it's a horse camp. And we offer an eight-month program called the LEAD program. So leadership, experience, and discipleship. So we invite five or six 18 to 25-year-olds to come and live with us for eight months. And we train them in uh, manuscript Bible study. We do public speaking with them. We do um, 
some book studies, and then we have one-on-one mentoring. And then we have a lot of groups that come through the year, and then these young people work with those groups. They may be teaching archery or hosting or leading a um, campfire or something like that. On Thursday of this week, a young man named James, who's from Sydney, Australia, he's been with us for 10 months, and he came into my office on Thursday. He's going home. He was leaving on Friday. So he came in uh, to my office, and he said, I'd do it in an Australian accent, but my Australian accents aren't very good. I could do it in a Scottish accent, but it wouldn't really be the same. Um, <laughs> but he said to me, he said, Ruth, I came here in January expecting that I was going to help reach and train and teach and change young people. He said, but this year, it is I who have been changed. So if you know uh, young people who are kind of trying to figure life out and they're committed Christians, uh, you could talk to me later. I would be glad to talk to you about uh, the possibility of them joining us for, for eight months. I'm going to be speaking this morning out of Ephesians 1, and I'm going to read the entire passage the entire chapter, so I don't know if you want to look uh, in your Bible with me, but you can follow along. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times have reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth and under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works everything, who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. I need the next picture up there. 
So five years ago, my friends Jenny and Allie adopted twin boys at birth, Mason and Nate. And Mason's on the le- on, well, I guess on the right, and uh, Nate's on the left. It's hard when you're facing the other way. Uh, so what I say is um, they're sort of like surrogate grandchildren for me. Um, what I say is Mason adores me and Nate ignores me. Um, but Jenny adopted these twin boys at birth. And from day one, the twins were treated and loved like they were Jenny's from birth, by birth. Did the twins have to earn Jenny's love? No. They were, Jenny and Allie loved the boys from birth as if they were theirs long before the twins ever knew who Jenny and Allie were. And this passage of scripture that I read is full of adoption and inheritance language. I think of God who has adopted us in much the same way that Jenny adopted the twins. And I believe that God feels towards us as if we were his by birth. The songwriter Michael Card writes, he cannot love us more and he will not love us less. But I often get uh, the sense that we're really not sure that God loves us. So we set out to earn his love, to earn our inheritance. Well, we know that we've been saved by grace and that it's not uh, by works. But I wonder sometimes in the ways that we seek God that we're trying to earn his love, to earn our inheritance. Now, I'm not sure if you've ever inherited anything. My dad died several years ago, and I received an inheritance which I promptly used as a down payment for a house. Now, I didn't earn my inheritance. It was a gift. And there's a, there's a difference between earning an inheritance and trying to please someone. So earning has to do with working and receiving payment for what you've done. But trying to please someone is doing things for them and with them just to give them pleasure. Not so they'll like us more, but just that they, so that they will be pleased. And it's really quite a basic concept, but I think it's a crucial one, and I think it's one that we often forget. A number of years ago, I had a surprise 80th birthday party for my mother. Now, you kind of have to be careful when you surprise 80-year-olds, but it was okay. But uh, we were, um, I invited – so my brothers and I um, – we went to this hotel, and we had dinner together. They'd come from away. And so we had dinner together to celebrate her birthday, and then I, I was staying at the hotel that night. And I said, oh, Mom, you should come up to my room. So she comes up to my room, and we opened this. It was a, uh, like a ballroom. We opened this room, and there are 80 of her friends there. And she's like, I have a, a great picture of it. She's like, I mean, the delight in her eyes was absolutely incredible. But I did this not to win my mother's approval, but I did it to bring her pleasure because I love her. And I often think that we view our personal relationships one way and our relationship with God another way. I think that sometimes we try to earn God's favor or to earn his love, but we don't have to do that because we already have it. If we have a healthy relationship with our parents or our spouses or our friends, we don't live in fear of what they think of us or strive to ingratiate ourselves to them. But sometimes I think that's how we operate with God 
Now, I know that we're not good enough, but that's why he died. He died because we're not good enough. We're not worthy. I'd like us to look a little bit at just the beginning of the chapter to look at how much God loves us. So if you have your Bible, um, look in Ephesians 1. In verse 4, it says, He chose us to be holy and blameless in his sight. Verse 5 says, He destined us for adoption according to the pleasure of his goodwill. In verse 6, it says, according to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us. Verse 7, according to the riches of his grace. Verse 8, that he lavished on us. Verse 9, according to his good pleasure. Do you know how much God loves you? This is the language of love and pleasure and generosity. This morning, I actually just want to focus on verses 18 and 19. So Paul writes, he says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. The hope, the riches, and the power. So what is the hope that we have in Christ? Well, hope has to do with the future, but it has a huge impact on the present. Hope is, is not only my future destiny, but it also know, it's also the knowledge that he is with me, that he will always be with me, that there's nothing that I can't bear because there is one who walks with me. This is the hope that I have that affects my present with peace. Several years ago, I was watching a Barbara Walters special, and it was Oscar night, and she was interviewing Richard Dreyfuss, who was up for a Best Actor Oscar for Mr. Holland's Opus. And Barbara Walters asked him a question. So Richard Dreyfuss, I, I don't know if you know who he is, but he, he's a very successful Hollywood actor. He's rich and he's famous. Barbara Walters asked him a question. She said, Richard, if you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? And Richard Dreyfuss said, peace. I'd like to have inner peace. What a shame that this man, who seemingly has everything by today's standards, but he has no peace and no hope. Jeremiah 29 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Do you experience the hope that comes from Christ. The second thing that Paul talks about here is the riches. Well, what are the riches of this glorious inheritance that we have? Verse 8 refers to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. Do you know anyone who's lavish? I love that word. Um, I think of someone who is wildly unconcerned about the cost of things. And they are really fun people to be around because they tend to pay for you for things, so it's really nice. Christ has been lavish with us. He lavishes us with riches. And I think of a few of the riches. I think of his love. He cannot love us more than he does. Do you know what it means to be totally secure in Christ's love? 
to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that he loves you? The next of the riches I think of is forgiveness. Not only does he love us, but he forgives us. It has been said that we carry the very nails in our pockets that crucified him. Yet because of his love, he has forgiven us. I've been a Christian a very long time. Sometime uh, in the the last century, I became a Christian. And I find that uh, after having been a Christian for a long time, I kind of take some of this stuff for granted. I sometimes take Christ's love and his forgiveness for granted. I'm not sure if you have ever had someone who's not, who's not who who will not forgive you for something. And it's awful, especially if they're important to you. You have to kind of walk around on eggshells. You cannot be in a whole relationship with someone who will not forgive you. And Christ has every reason not to forgive us. But not only does he forgive but he actually sees us as holy in his sight. That is unbelievable. And not only does he love us and forgive us, but there is so much more. The next of the riches I think of is, is freedom. I believe that Christ has given us incredible freedom through his death on the cross. We are free. Now, I don't know about you, but... Um, I'm a, I'm a PK, I'm a PPK, I'm a Pentecostal preacher's kid. And uh, when I was growing up, there were rules in our house. Our house, So the rules were, um, there were a lot of them, but no drinking, no smoking, no dancing, no playing cards, no swimming on Sunday, and I'm sure there were a few others. Well, one of the interesting things is that um, I didn't do any of those things, but I used to beat up the neighborhood kids. So the rules and regulations had no effect on my heart. It's a little embarrassing because I was directing a, a, a girls' camp years ago. And I, so I didn't tell the first service this, and I kind of keep it a secret. I'm from Quebec, okay? So people often say to me, oh, your English is so good. And I thank them because my, it's my mother tongue, so I appreciate that you think that my English is good. But... Uh, so I was I was directing this camp, this girls' camp in Quebec, and uh, we had a new camper. She was 14 years old, and it was her first day. And she came up to me, and she goes, "Hi, my name's Laurel Picard. You used to beat up my mother." And I went, ah, yes, that's true. Be sure your sins will find you out. But in Romans 8, it says, "We are free from condemnation." Colossians 1 says we are free from accusation. We are free. Now, that doesn't mean that I have permission or license to sin. On the contrary, it causes me to express my gratitude even more. When I was, a ni- when I was 19 years old, I uh, borrowed the family car, my dad's brand new Chevy Impala, and I drove up to the mall. And I was driving back from the mall, and it was a divided boulevard. So I'm driving along, and I see in the median uh, a guy that wants to turn into my lane. And I thought, this is exactly what I thought. I thought, well, I'm really going to scare him. I'm not even going to honk my horn. So just as I was passing him, he decided to turn into my lane. So he, he hit me right at the front of my dad's brand-new Chevy Impala, and the imprint of his car was all the way back to the end of the car. 
So we stopped and, you know, exchanged information. I got home and um, I walked in and I told my dad that I'd had an accident with the car. I will never forget what my father said to me. He said, are you okay? Now, my response to my father wasn't, oh, great, he doesn't care how I drive, so I'll be reckless. No, my response to my father was exactly the opposite. Because of his care and his grace and his love, I was more careful about how I drove. I wanted to please him, so I was more careful. And I think it is the same with God. He forgives us and he doesn't condemn. So my response to him needs to be one of gratitude and seeking to please him. His riches are vast and unsearchable, and they are theirs, they're ours by inheritance. And we should accept them. If I hadn't accepted the inheritance that I received when my father died, I would be crazy. And so I think it is with the riches that we have in Christ that we need to accept them. The third thing Paul talks about here is the power. I believe that we have incredible power in Christ. And my sense is that we often think of the power in terms of the miraculous, healing the sick, having an extraordinary gifts. And I do think that that is definitely an aspect of the power that we have access to in Christ. But perhaps an even more important aspect of the power is the power that is less spectacular, but that we need for each day. Paul talks of running the race, of fighting the good fight, of finishing the race. And I see here what he's talking about in terms of being a marathon. And life is a marathon and our faith is a marathon. It's not a 100-meter dash. One needs great power and strength, and speed to run a 100-meter dash. It's quick, it's powerful, and it's glamorous. But a marathon is 42 kilometers long, and it takes more power to keep running and go for 42 kilometers. It's wonderful to see extraordinary power manifest in people's lives, but the living is in the following 41 kilometers. It's exciting to watch people move miraculously in people's lives in a short period of time. But the proof of the power in my life is how I live day to day. The power of God lies not just in the extraordinary, but in the mundane. The power to live in the face of rejection. The power to forgive in the face of hurt. That, I believe, is the power of God. That's where the rubber hits the road. I'm happy for you if you get a special blessing on Sunday at church, but I'm happier for you if the power of God and his fruit is manifest in your life every day in your interaction with others. The easiest time for me to be a Christian is on Sunday morning when I'm worshiping with other believers because I can feel his presence. The hard part is when I'm driving and someone cuts me off in traffic, as they often seem to do. Or I'm being kept waiting. So 
for those of you who did uh, the thing with me yesterday, my, the prayer for my Myers-Briggs is, Lord, give me patience. And I mean now, so I don't like waiting. So the power of God needs to be manifest in my life every day when I'm waiting. Or if somebody is rude to me, that's when I need the power that raised Christ from the dead. We are an incredibly privileged people. We have a hope that is steadfast and sure. We have riches that are inconceivable. And we have access to the power in our lives that raised Christ from the dead. Let's receive this glorious inheritance that we have. Amen.